Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. It's just spring training. It's just spring training. It's just spring training. It doesn't matter. It's just spring training. It's just spring training. It's not real. It does not matter. Can we just get one Yankees pitching acquisition to who dominates his first time ever touching baseball in the uniform so we don't have to talk about this? No, we can't. Sadly, we have to talk about Carlos Rodon's spring debut yesterday, which was not good at all. Couldn't get through the third inning, couldn't record an out in the third inning, ended up surrendering five earned runs before he left. Um, but there's a reason for it, and we'll get into all of that later. So the optics were bad, very obviously. Nobody enjoyed them. It allowed all your hottest taking Yankee people and the people who want to fire everybody and get Cashman out of here to get their jokes off on day one. But the game was utterly meaningless and Carlos Rodon wasn't even really trying to succeed. We'll get deeper into it. The more exciting story, of course, Jason Dominguez. The three-run homer that won yesterday's game. Yankees came back from 6-2 down in the ninth with a three-run homer by uh, Jamie Westbrook. Not sure who that is, but he's getting a lot of playing time. And Jason Dominguez who is a tippy-top prospect. Both of them hit absolute bombs. Jesus Bastidas, who we've talked about in the last couple weeks, added a two-run single. Yankees win. Spring training, uh, it's meaningless when your pitcher struggles, but it's not meaningless when Jason DeVegas hits a game-winning three-run home run. I hope that makes sense. Does he have a path to playing time this season? Either way, he's opening some eyes. Plus, Oswaldo Cabrera begs to play center field and gets his wish. And could the Yankees and Dodgers revisit some trade talks We talked about the Yankees and Dodgers as a perfect match last Thursday. Turns out the Dodgers actually had their eyes on IKF a long time ago, and it might be high time to rekindle those talks. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews. Pop them uh, right on Apple Podcasts. Give us a mailbag question in there. We'd love to answer. We'd love to keep interacting with you fine folks, and you can also find us live streaming 2 o'clock Eastern time. Mondays and Thursdays, uh, 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays. If you're a video person, watch the YouTube stream. If you love your audio, and we know we got a lot of listeners who do love that audio, just pop on over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. Give us those thumbs up, but give us those subscribes on YouTube as well. We, we love them. Uh, you can subscribe to us on multiple platforms. That'd be great. Probably be wildly uncomfortable. 2 p.m. every day listening to the show, uh, watching us live, and then immediately listening on your favorite podcast platform. You'd be a pretty weird uh, dude. But we'd love it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. As always, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, spring training doesn't matter at all, but like also like kind of sick, kind of like sick to win. 
it's kind of great. Um, and once again, guys, if you like Yankees baseball, you're coming here. If you're new to gambling or if you love gambling, we got an offer for you. DraftKings uh, is offering first-time users um, a little promo here. You bet $5 on any sport, you get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. Uh, but you have to use the code YanksGoYard when signing up. Again, that is YanksGoYard. Um, good timing here. Calvin Ridley just reinstated back from the NFL after his little uh, his little incident, uh, maybe making these $5 uh, bonus wagers on sports during the NFL season a couple years ago. Um, that was where the NFL drew the line. They said, any other off-the-field things that are completely heinous that we've seen in the past, nothing, nothing compares to take cashing in a risk for, or a – or a bonus bet from DraftKings. We absolutely can't have that. Um, so head on over. We got spring training baseball, which I advised last episode to please not bet on, but uh, we got March Madness coming up. Um, Adams Tar Heels let me down, use my DraftKings bet oh, yeah. um, over the weekend against Duke. Uh, didn't really work out, but we have conference tournaments coming up this week. We got more golf events. Obviously opening day is a couple weeks away. Um so once again, head on over to DraftKings, uh, bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets. If your bet wins with the code YanksGoYard, uh, it's a minimum $5 deposit and wager required. New customers only, 21 years and older and present in New York. Must be eligible. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK uh, 467-369 if you're in New Jersey. Same type deal. Gambling problem? Call text 1-800-GAMBLER. If you're in Connecticut, gambling problem? Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Happy gambling. Be responsible, please. That's all we ask. Yeah, my North Carolina Tar Heels, not good. Uh, season sweep at the hands of Duke. And uh, it just it, we're one year removed from UNC beating Duke in the Final Four, 81-77 with the same players and you look up at the end of this Saturday's game, they have 57 points and you watch the game and you're like, honestly, it felt like they could have, it felt like it could have been 49. Like it was a 1998 Knicks heat game. Uh, It was, it was heinous. It was horrendous. They they can't make an open shot. They can't make a contested shot. They can't do anything. Uh, And yet I can still almost guarantee they're going to be in the ACC tournament final this week against Duke again. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Bracket lines up with Virginia and Clemson ahead of them. Those are the only teams standing in their way of the final. And those are also the only top 25 teams they've beaten this year. So roll your eyes all you want, but it's pretty clear Duke's going to run through that other side of the bracket, beat Miami, Carolina beats uh, BC, Virginia, and Clemson and gets to go face-to-face with Duke in another 66-62 slugfest. Uh, Not fun. Maybe you want to bet on the New York Knicks, though. That's a team that uh, has won nine straight games. Beat the Boston Celtics in Boston yesterday. Double overtime. Didn't have their starting point guard. Uh, shows the joy that you may get from playing the kids. Speaking of, Jason Dominguez. Not going to start the season on the Yankees opening day roster. Shouldn't start the season on the Yankees opening day roster. Uh, feel like we have to caveat the conversation by saying that. Jason Dominguez will not be the left fielder on opening day. He won't be the left fielder on May 15th. He won't be the center fielder on June 8th needs minor league seasoning he does he does you might not know it by watching him play these spring training games but he's not ready yet he does need more time in the minor leagues uh select few games at double a last year uh which was his first season of full season ball in the minors uh he was playing not stateside prior to 2021 
2022. Uh, he finally you know, starts at low A after getting a cameo in low A in 2021, dominates in Tampa, gets elevated to Hudson Valley, dominates there. Uh, eventually, you know, our threshold for Jason Dominguez's dominance has been thrown off in recent years because we were told he's Mike Trout, he's Bo Jackson. Then we see him triple slashing like 275, 375, 440 at high A as a 19-year-old. And we're like, eh, 290 would be nice. 310 would be nice with 30 stolen bases. But that was uh, pretty special. Gets elevated to double A at the end of the year. Doesn't do much of anything. Actually looks like he's finally gassed. Short series, playoff series, destroys Erie. Three homers, 10 RBI in a finals. Uh, And he goes to the Arizona Fall League, which is basically the all-star league for minor league players. Finally looks completely overmatched again. Can't get it together during that short stint in the AFL. Uh, so we're mostly just looking at the stat sheet. We're looking at the highlight, right? We see him at the occasional bomb, but we look at the numbers and go, eh, it's somewhat over- underwhelming. Uh, it, uh, if you judge on the full season of data, it's very obvious he needs some more time at double A, more time at triple A, more time against elite pitching. But if you just look at the eye test, you watch these individual at-bats, he is spitting on pitches out of the zone. He is getting his first real chance at Major League Spring Training. He has a keen batting eye of an adult man, and he is just 20. And, oh, yeah, the power is real. He now has two bombs, one from each side of the plate. His first at-bat, his first game in in spring training at at Clearwater, he torpedoed one in the left center seats. And yesterday, in the clutch, in the ninth inning, takes a low breaker uh, just way, way over the right field seats from the other side of the plate. Uh, so Jason Dominguez is not going to start the year on the roster. And there are reasons behind that, and, and they're accurate. Uh, you know, you can't imagine the Yankees losing a year of Anthony Volpe by starting him in the majors in April. Uh, they're definitely not going to lose a year of Jason Dominguez by starting 20-year-old Jason Dominguez at the big league level to start the season. And Aaron Hicks is playing well, and Rafael Ortega is playing well. But you can't watch Dominguez and not immediately see that he pops off the page. It's encouraging like we said last episode all you need these guys to do is just put up some semblance of a decent performance and the pressure is gone you're kind of coasting um so whether he's on the major league roster or not he's probably not going to be um this is the most promising start he could have to his professional career for spring training um doing what he's doing to this extent um picking up after a slow end to last uh, season when he was in the Arizona Fall League. Um, so I'm wondering here what the most realistic path is, like, you know, for him to make the roster at some point in 2023. It's not going to be opening day. You're right, Aaron Hicks doing enough. Rafael Ortega hitting home runs. Willie Calhoun hit a home run himself. Oswaldo Cabrera is the, one of the other young guys who's absolutely tearing it up. Obviously, he's not going to be primarily a left fielder, but um, if that's an option the Yankees have, it's already, you know, it's a, it's a step above Dominguez. Um, you look at Jason Dominguez, you saw how he fell off at the end of last year. I think we could chalk that up to fatigue mostly yeah. um, solely because that was the most games he's played in a, in a full season by a mile. I think his previous career high was 57. Um, so, you know, you, you, do, you more than double that, um, and you add in escalators in there with um, increasing competition um, and you know, spotlight and all that stuff. Um, and it's obviously going to play. It's, it's going to be a factor. I see a lot of people citing the Braves situation. And we've talked about this at length. Play the kids. Yeah, we want to play the kids. Um, 
I don't know if Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom are the um, the rule. I, I think they're more the exception. Um, you're not really going to see many situations like this. Michael Harris played in 43 games at AA last year before getting the bump. His previous career high in games played in a single season was 101. He comes up 114 games, hits 297 with an 853 OPS, um, hits 19 home runs and steals 20 bags, uh, wins rookie of the year. That's, that's impossible. It's, it's, it's great. And I'm, I, it was awesome for baseball that it happened, but you can't be basing these situations around outliers. This is an outlier. Vaughn Grissom type, the same type deal played, uh, played in 96 games between double a and high a last year, only 22 at double a then came to the Braves for 41 games hit 291 with a 792 OPS um, was obviously really good on defense impact on the base paths as was Michael Harris. Um, and again, remember this roster was, stacked with a lot of talent they have a lot of depth they had a lot of guys who um had the you know the playoff experience from from the year before um so it was a good situation the yankees i'm not saying they don't have that but um you can't be basing you can't be basing these two guys off of future decisions that you're going to make now i think we have a different conversation have about anthony volpe um just because his ascension has been considerable and he's played you know now two full seasons of minor league ball um, and we've seen his five tools in action consistently at the two levels, you know, at the, at high A and, and double A, and then he flashed some of it at triple A and now he's doing it at spring training. So that's a little bit of a different progression, um, for somebody who is knocking at the door. Um, I think Dominguez best case scenario. What do we think here? Uh, first month at double A tears the cover off the ball. Yankees say, fuck it. We'll put you at triple A. You have to think, you know, there might be a little bit of an adjustment period at AAA. He's there for two and a half, two months. Um, depending on how the trade deadline goes, he could be the answer for the Yankees if there are no options at that time. We don't know what's going to happen with the Cubs. They kind of have a revamp roster. I'm not, I'm sadly not fully sold that Ian Happ is going to be available. I would love for Ian Happ to be available. I know it's going to cost the Yankees a decent amount, but um, the, the Cubs or in a relatively weak division. I don't think the NL Central is anything special. So you never know. You get a couple of good bounce backs there from players that they took chances on, and you're looking at a completely different scenario. Um, and then you just can't trust the trade date deadline with the Yankees at all because, A, teams are looking to gouge the Yankees. That's one. You want to give us Jordan Walker drunk? I'll take him. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you can't trust any other team trying to, you know – trying to make a deal with the Yankees because they're always trying to gouge them and Brian Cashman's track record, whether there is some witchcraft involved with him just eternally having bad luck with these types of things, or if he's actually just bad at doing it. Um, the, the deals have not largely not worked out over the last, you know, probably like, like we've talked about a million times the last time any impactful deadline acquisition actually um, positively pushed this team in the right direction was 2017 and that deal with the White Sox. I think that that's that's that that's the last one that you could obviously Anthony Rizzo coming along in 2021 was amazing, but that team was rotten to the core and it was never going anywhere and it didn't go anywhere. Um, so maybe Dominguez comes up after the trade deadline. I think that probably the easiest stamp to put on this is he's coming up when rosters expand because you have to think he's going to be at AAA for at least half the year this season, at least. Um, 
based on how he's performing right now um, and based on his ascension uh, last year and how he kind of took those strides really quickly after, you know, what many deemed an underwhelming debut professional season. So um, I don't disagree with people who want this to be the reality. We would love to see Jason Dominguez. We'd love to see Anthony Volpe. We'd love to see um, Oswald Peraza. Um, I want to see an infield of Peraza, Cabrera, and Volpe. I'm not going to get it, um, but we have to wait until some of these situations um, kind of get more fleshed out, um, and we have to wait on the development of some of these guys too because, once again, these are – the, the example you're seeing in Atlanta is is more the exception than anything else, and it's good for them, and it's great. But the, And a team like the Yankees is not going to copycat somebody else on that front either. And you probably have to realize that because the Yankees do things their own way, and hopefully they just don't take too long with the, with the young players they have at this moment. Yeah, I can't believe I'm defending the Yankees here, but it was somebody who responded to our tweet about, you know, he can't make the opening day roster, can he? And they said on a normal team he could but the Yankees like to stifle skill in the minors. There's no team in the majors that would automatically promote freshly 20-year-old Jason Dominguez immediately to the big league roster after 12 spring training at-bats. That's not how it goes. It's a great spring. And Jordan Walker, like Drunk mentioned, is going to make the Cardinals, probably. Or he's at least making it extremely difficult for them to send him down. But there's a lot more Jordan Walker on the books than there is Jason Dominguez. Again, last year, his first full year in full season ball and it ended poorly so you call Jason Dominguez up now obviously the Yankees want him strong in September October you call him up now you make him your everyday left fielder and he wears down in the same way he did last season he's useless by the playoffs that's what you want Uh, that's not really what I want Um, I think the Peraza Cabrera promotion timeline is the best case scenario for Dominguez I think like you said it's it's a month or two at double a they got his feet wet there last year like they got both his feet wet at AAA. So yeah. maybe it's only a month and a half or so. They need him to get some AAA run. He's not going double-A to the bigs. Uh, and maybe it's three months at AAA. And maybe he's absolutely showing out. And by mid-August, the Yankees are tired again. They have some other pitcher on the 60-day IL against his will. They need reinforcements. <laughs> they called Dominguez up in the middle of a losing streak in August, and everybody enjoys it. He gets 40, 45, 50 at-bats next year. There is something to be said for just having his power potential on the bench during the end of the regular season. Yeah. Like they've done that in the past. They've, they've called up like Slade Heathcott in 2015. Sometimes they just need a guy who's gotten his licks in at the minor league level, 350, 400 at bats. Season's basically over, but you know they could be good for a random bomb, one in every 10 plate appearances. So you save him for the bench, you put him in, in crucial situations late in games. The same way that you used to have a random pinch runner who came up in September, maybe you get maybe you get random guy bomb squad and you go Jason Dominguez all September long and you see what he can do uh, in the aftermath. You know we just don't know, um, but I, I think the most realistic path to a promotion is uh, end of year, and the best case scenario is that Peraza Cabrera, uh, you know, middle of August, everybody is hot, sweaty, sticky, going to games is less fun. All of a sudden here's Jason Dominguez to pep you up. It's important to remember Volpe is going to have a tough time breaking this roster, but he's probably not going to have a tough time making his way to the major league this year. If he does, then we have a whole different can of worms. to open. He will most likely be on this team pretty soon after that, uh, you know, rookie eligibility threshold. Um, He is two years older than Jason Dominguez, just about. It's a year and 10 months. That's a significant gap. 
Volpe's going to turn 22 in the middle of April. Dominguez turned 20 in early February. So let's give him some time to adjust. The Braves are not the norm. Uh, and Vaughn Grissom was great last year. Michael Harris won Rookie of the Year. Spencer Strider was right there with him. Uh, Christian Pache was called up by the Braves a couple years ago, like the age of 20, and he was their tippy-top prospect, and he has uh, done absolutely nothing. He, he's on the Oakland A's now. That's the risk you take when you promote a, a top prospect who's banging on the door a little too quickly. The Yankees cannot afford to do that with Jason Dominguez, especially with the trades they've kept him out of and with the name recognition that he has. If you torpedo not just the top prospect's credibility and potential for greatness, but it's Jason Dominguez, the Martian, the Mickey Mantle, you know, the Mike Trout, the Bo Jackson, if, if you do that to him with a premature promotion, blood is on your hands. So they can't be doing that. Uh, speaking of the Cabrera timeline, Oswaldo Cabrera himself begged for a center field opportunity. He was mic'd up this week, and uh, he, he got it. He, they, they gave him a, a little bit of run out there. Um, that's interesting. It's an interesting new position for a guy who seemingly can't be stopped and wasn't an outfielder prior to last year. He was a left fielder last year because the Yankees had a need in left field. He was a right fielder last year because the Yankees had a need in right field. He went bombs away this weekend a couple times too. Uh, he's making sure everybody notices him, doesn't forget him in the shuffle. Uh, center field is maybe a, another bridge here. Uh, I don't know. At least the Yankees aren't forcing him into these things. Like, he's requesting it, and they're yeah. like, uh, fine, go for it, fine, sure. Um, that's one thing that's better than him being forced against his will to occupy an outfield spot. The only thing is I trust Bader in center. I obviously don't trust any of the left field options. If he's so thirsty for an outfield role, I'd rather he just play left. Yeah, I guess. Um, remember, though, Bader had the foot issue, so I don't know if that's going to be a factor at all. I think – I don't know if – I don't know if plantar fasciitis exactly just fully goes away. Um, that's that's usually a tough injury. Um, I know Bader ended up looking good. He was able to cover a ton of ground. He was an impact with the bat. But you never know what the Yankees want to do. Maybe they want to keep him off his feet and put him in left field for a couple games so he has less strain on his body. And then we have a situation where Cabrera is playing some center um, and Bader's in left. Or Cabrera's in right and Judge's in center and Bader's in left. I don't know. Um, nonetheless... I love Oswaldo Cabrera. He's a baseball player. Um, he's got a tremendous attitude. Uh, he's comfortable um, in his own skin and anywhere on the field, which I think is very important for somebody who has to uh, take on a, this kind of role with the Yankees where you're kind of going to be called upon to do anything, um, anything and everything. Like you said, he had, what, two minor league games of experience, I think, in – the minor leagues before he came up last year. And then the Yankees were like, Hey, we'll put you, we'll put you in the outfield. We'll see what happens. And it ended up being great. Um, he's, he's an athlete and he's not really scared of what's of, of what assignment is ahead of him. Um, and you could tell he was mic'd up during the game. He was talking to the broadcast. Um, he's just giggling. He's he, he just, he wants to prove himself. He wants to show um, exactly what he's worth and exactly what he's capable of. Um, and he just likes playing the game. Like I said, tremendous attitude. Uh, he wants to do whatever it's going to take for the Yankees to win. And look, maybe it's not a situation where he's actually taking reps from Bader. I mean, it's not going to be. It's not going to be a situation where he's taking reps from Bader. It's not going to be a situation where the Yankees are realigning their outfield. But, hey, if there's a world in which Bader hits the IL, I'd rather Cabrera in center field than Judge. Yeah. Not that I don't – not that I – 
don't like judge in center field. I think he's really good at it, but just signed to $360 million deal. Like keep him in right. Don't risk anything else. There's last year was a different story. It was a contract year. He was trying to build his value. The Yankees needed to run away with the division after, after nearly blowing the lead in that awful August and, and beginning of September, like judge needed to take September uh, judge needed to take center field reps over that time to, to fill the gaps for the Yankees and make sure that they weren't missing a beat. And that was the best, that was the best scenario that they had to, to craft the best lineup and ensure that their defense was secure um, before Bader was able to take hold. And they didn't expect Aaron Hicks to be this bad. Everything kind of changed. So now they have a more stable situation with Bader and center judge and right, whoever you want and left. I think at this point it's a toss up. Um, but now if you at least have the flexibility of Cabrera able to, play center field as opposed to Hicks or as opposed to judge Hicks, I think is, I think is completely off the table because his arm strength is gone. Um, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he still has the athleticism as he did in what, like 2019 when he was, when he was out there um, just based on what we've seen over the last few years and how he's, he's been banged up. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. That type of stuff keeps you off your feet and it inhibits you from developing in, in certain ways and maintaining that athleticism. I think, if we have a true backup center fielder and someone like Cabrera who is athletic enough and wants to play the position and is comfortable out there, because how many fucking times have we ran into situations on this team where the Yankees uncomfortably play somebody out of position against their will, alter their role on the pitching staff against their will. And it, the, the results are not good. So you have a guy like Cabrera who's ready for the opportunity, wants to do it, doesn't care what, what his assignment is. And that gives you a good backup option. And I think it's, it's positive for what's to come because this team is always dealing with injury issues and there's never, there's never a concrete solution um, from, you know, week to week. It's always, okay, we're going to see what's going to happen. We're going to see who's healthy and we're going to hope we have the necessary depth pieces to pick up the, pick up the, pick up the parts. Um, so I like that this is a possibility and I like that it does change what the Yankees can do and it gives them some flexibility and who knows, maybe you get, Stanton out there, that gives you flexibility in the DH uh, spot if he can play some games in left field or right field. I don't know. Changes things and makes it more fun. Um, so I'm, I'm liking the attitude. I'm liking what we're seeing in spring training. I don't think this is going to be a regularity, so don't get excited about it. But it's a good backup option, and it's going to help the Yankees in the long run. I like Oswaldo in center field a lot more than I like uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa in left field, which is like a real thing. Not to mention that, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's not real, but that's just like that's that might be the height of Aaron Boone speak. Um, and, and there was also some sort of AL managers sur- maybe not a real survey. Maybe it was just an athletic thing where they were doing a deeper dive and like asking the other AL East managers what they liked about Aaron Boone. And all of them were like the way he handles the media. And it's like, of course, the managers like his friends would say like we like Cora was like the way he talks to you guys. And Kevin Cash was like, he's got a tough job in New York. It's like. All he says is, like, he spews bullshit all the time. Like, 80% of it is BS. And saying Isaiah Conner-Falefa, if he doesn't win the shortstop job, uh, you know, is going to get a real shot to contribute in left field, a position he's never played. He played, like, two games and left in the minors in 2014. And the fact that that's, that kind of thing is an admirable quality, according to other AL East managers, they're like, oh, yeah, our favorite thing about Boone is what he says to the media, and, and that's what he says to the media – is an indictment on the role of a manager in modern baseball. Like the fact that other managers are like, Oh yeah, it's good when he just talks out of his ass and like invents new positions for players on the fly. 
so that he can make them feel good maybe temporarily before like making the prudent move and shedding their salary like that's that's admirable you guys love that Alex Cora is taking notes on that saying like (laughs) Rymel Tapia could be our starting catcher who knows we love this guy like that's what managers idolize I don't know it's like the Bill Burr sketch when he's like talking about dying and what people are going to say at the eulogy and if you didn't have like enough deep relationships with people that someone just sitting there and they're like well you know he uh he paid his bills guy guy was a hell of a bill payer Nope, that, that's not a compliment to talk. It, J, Boone, more times than not, confuses the media or confuses the fans. And that's why there's all this outrage about, you know, the the front-facing the front facing everything with this organization, from the front office to the PR to, to someone like Boone to even some of the players where it's like uninspiring interviews. So, um, yeah, that's funny. But in terms of IKF, let's talk about him real quick before we get into um, Rodon's spring debut. Um we briefly talked last week uh, when Gavin Lux went down uh, for the Dodgers. They lost their starting shorts up for the year. Terrible, terrible outcome. Uh, torn ACL, um, and they were already thin. They, they, the year prior, Corey Seager left. They filled him with Trey Turner for a year. Trey Turner's gone now. They weren't paying for any of these high-dollar high options. Um, and instead, this offseason, they acquired Miguel Rojas, um, from the Marlins and he was supposed to serve as a utility infielder more than anything. Yes. He's a starting shortstop, but entering his age 34 season coming off the worst offensive campaign of his career. Um, not exactly starting shortstop material in the Los Angeles Dodgers, maybe the Miami Marlins. Sure. But not the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, and the Dodgers knew that they acquired him because they know he's a great veteran presence. Um, I, if you guys saw him on the Chris Rose rotation before um, really good baseball insight, really good attitude, really good demeanor. Um, had a really good defensive uh, campaign at shortstop last year, um, but the Dodgers need defense and offense. That's they are they, they have all good all around players everywhere. So elevating Rojas, who was supposed to be the utility infielder, infielder to shortstop, then creates a depth issue. They said Chris Taylor is going to be the backup shortstop. That's kind of crazy. He was supposed to log outfield reps. I think he's only played like sixty games at shortstop over the last like four years. So that's not a real backup option. So we floated IKF. Obviously, it was it was the easiest scenario where you could float IKF. He's a utility infielder. The Dodgers need a utility infielder. They need someone who can absorb shortstop um, uh, or reps at shortstop as the year goes on. Um, but it was complicated because, A, last year he proved that um, maybe he wasn't the best shortstop, even though he had a good season there in Texas the year prior. Um, and clearly maybe the, the greater spotlight had an effect on him with the fans in New York getting a little bit unruly with his performance. Um, it cratered in the postseason. He was benched and then he went back. It was the dumbest, the dumbest thing the Yankees could have done with him. Bench him, put him back in, claim they're confident in him when he's benching, claim that he's the answer when he's playing. And he's very much not because he's not getting hits and he's making errors. So anyway, we drew the parallel. Hey, Dodgers, come on. Take the $6 million off our hands. Get IKF out of here. It'll maybe allow us to elevate Anthony Volpe. It'll be a good time. We learned over the weekend that we weren't crazy to suggest that because before the Gavin Lux injury even occurred, according to Buster Olney of ESPN and Bob Nightingale of USA Today, that the Dodgers and Yankees did talk about an IKF trade earlier in the offseason. I don't know if that was in place of the Rojas trade. None of that was really clarified. Um, or if it was after it because they wanted more infield depth and then that would have prevented them from maybe uh, signing another outfielder. Um, you know, they, they signed Jason Hayward. They signed uh, David Peralta 
you know, I don't know, I don't know what the what the outlook for the Dodgers was. They did a lot of confusing things this offseason, but maybe that would have been in place of something. Um, either way, this was discussed. Now you're wondering if it's actually realistic. And if it is realistic, then what's the Yankees roster going to look like? Who's going to be elevated? What's the situation going to be? Um, because if the Dodgers had talked about this before anything, before this injury happened, why wouldn't they revisit it now? Um, and it's not like the price went up. It's not like anything's changed. Everything's pretty much status quo since November. Price so, went down. Price went way yeah, down. Price probably went down. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if this is actually – they, they mentioned that a lot of trades don't go down for another couple weeks because a lot of teams want to see what they – what they have in-house if there's any options to save face before you actually have to go out and trade assets for somebody or inherit more money um but yeah we talked about the rockies because brendan rogers got injured and that creates an infield depth issue for them and now we have the dodgers who were interested in ikf previously so i don't know i'm interested and only had some nonsense in there that was like the dodgers though keep in mind they do not want to go above the luxury tax threshold it's like well, I thought that, but they they they're already way over. do. They're they're way over it. And adding IKF does nothing. Yeah, uh, but add more uh, one year's worth of more luxury tax threshold stuff. Like you could non-tender him. Uh, th- this is his last year of team control, too, right? IKF. Yeah. Yeah. This is it? He's entering yeah. contract so, year six million. Yeah. So that's just an easy way to get some more depth on the team this year, and then duck under the tax, and you can sign Shohei Otani to a six hundred million dollar contract next year. Uh, there's there's no harm in adding IKF other than the fact that he doesn't seem to add much to the team. That's that's the thing. Miguel Rojas is IKF, and he's now your starting shortstop at this point in time. IKF is a better third baseman than he is a shortstop. He's got great range. He can't deliver on that range. He, he loves to get to balls. He does not love to throw them to first base, nor does he love to corral them successfully using his hand in a glove, which is a core factor in the game of baseball. You're supposed to get the balls. You're supposed to throw them to record outs. He doesn't do all of that. He gets the balls, doesn't know what to do with them. So uh, it's not a great sell job. I hope the Dodgers are not watching this podcast right now. Listen to it on all their favorite podcast platforms, subscribing uh, on YouTube and, and all audio platforms. Uh, ICAP is a good ball player, good hitter, scrappy, uh, not a left fielder. Don't listen to Brian Cashman. Uh, but I, I don't know, like, Dodgers are in scramble mode. Uh, yeah. it, it's like, it's like a cute fit. It, it's, it's, it, he would be in, I don't know, like a nice, a nice utility option on any team and, and on the Dodgers. Sure. Fine. Exactly. But we already talked about how Max Muncy has to be hidden at third now and can't play second anymore. So Miguel Vargas is your second baseman. Muncy can't play short. So Muncy has to play third or Muncy has to DH. IKF's not an outfielder. There's just, we talked about trading Oswald Peraza to the Dodgers and some high profile move for a top yeah. prospect. That makes more sense than Isaiah Connor Falefa just because I like I don't know. People are already nervous about Miguel Rojas starting in short. Is any Dodgers fan mollified when you put Isaiah Connor Falefa? Don't worry, Isaiah Connor Falefa is here. Like, does that accomplish anything for you? Or are you just adding another B minus C plus utility option after you've already lost your likely start? I don't know. I mean, you look at the Muncie situation too, like he's not gonna I don't know if he's going to be the full-time third. That's a lot of that's a lot of strain for him. I don't think he's ever done that. He's never played a full season at third base, and the Dodgers don't have a backup first baseman, and Muncy plays first base. So um, I know Freddie Freeman is an Iron Man, but you look at bringing IKF into the fold. Maybe there's a day where JD Martinez gets rest, Freddie Freeman's DH, Max Muncy's playing first, IKF's playing third. I don't know. The Dodgers like their versatility. That's the other thing. You look at the guys they have. They have Rojas. They had they had Lux, who Lux played 
left field, second base shortstop. They have um, uh, Chris Taylor plays all over the place. Um, Mookie Betts is playing second base. So Max Muncy plays second and third and first. So they like the, they like those types of profiles with players. So that's why I don't think it's too, I mean, it doesn't exactly move the needle for the Dodgers, but then again, the Dodgers made this mess. There is nothing they can do until the trade deadline. There is no opportunity to upgrade in a massive fashion. And the next best thing you have to do is just improve the depth and make sure that you have, you have options behind people in the event something else happens, or you just have major league talent that's capable of, of taking over for weeks at a time. If that has to be the reality of it, I don't know. Seems like they might not trust Michael Bush that much who would play, I guess, first, second and third, and maybe some left field or something. Um, especially if they were talking about ICAF earlier in the offseason when Bush was still an option to potentially fill in and do that type of thing after a good year of AAA for him. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I just – it would be great if we could trade someone like that so we can clear up the infield and not ever have to play IKF in the outfield because that should never happen. Um, do you mind if I do a gambling promo? No, I would love that. I think it might be fun. I kind of want to test my motor mouth skills. Uh, if – We'll, we'll talk about uh, Carlos Rodon and the Yankees pitching boo-boos in a couple of minutes. But first... You think they got I odds do. on IKF playing the outfield? Uh, yeah, I think it's a plus 28,000 that IKF is your starting left fielder to open the regular season. Uh, we've already seen people angry at the possibility of IKF in the opening day lineup as your shortstop. Imagine IKF in the opening day lineup as your left fielder. Just imagine that for a second. Go off to dreamland as we talk about potential gambling promos with DraftKings! If you're in the New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut area, this promo is for you. Bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins, as long as you enter the code YANKSGOYARD. That's YANKSGOYARD, just like the podcast, no spaces. The code is YANKSGOYARD. That'll get you $5 on any sport, $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins, if you sign up for DraftKings. Of course, there are disclaimers. Minimum $5 deposit and wager required. New customers only 21 plus and present in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Gambling problem? Call one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text hope ny four six seven three six nine in New York. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. If you're in New Jersey, call text one eight hundred Gambler. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. And in Connecticut, that's eight 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 seven eight nine seven 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 or visit ccpg.org/chat. In Connecticut, full terms are always available at DraftKings.com or you guessed it, in the description below. Wow, very exciting. Make sure to sign up for DraftKings. Um, Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon. Uh, didn't dominate, didn't re-dominate in his spring debut. I just want to see people get through these games. All I want to see is people getting through these games with their arms intact, with their shoulders attached to their body, leaving the field, doing an interview, saying, first and foremost, my body feels normal. That's what I want to see. I want people to tell me their body feels like a body should. I don't care about the number (laughs) of earned runs allowed. I don't care about the K's. I don't care about the velo. I don't care about the stuff. I just want people to tell me they got through it feeling like normal people. Luis Severino said that the other day too. He gave up four runs in his spring debut and then three in his second start. And they were like, what was that like? And he was like, oh, you know, went from four to three. Hopefully it's zero by opening day. Pretty, pretty good progression. Like, fine. I don't, I don't care what your results are. Would have been nice not to see the Twitter snark. I kid you not. I yeah. saw, I saw, I mean, Mark Bowman, uh, the MLB.com Braves writer tweeted, yeah, was- $162 million doesn't get you what it used to. Really, Mark? 
you jerk. Like, literally, I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be a joke. It's got to be a one spring training star joke. But a lot of people were saying that earnestly, so it didn't come off as a joke. And then I, I really swear to God saw a Blue Jays fan retweet the, the home run Rodon allowed uh, onto my timeline. And it's like, all right, okay, you want to play this game? You still have Yusei Kikuchi in your rotation. You want to play this game? Uh, so I hope other fans uh, – <laughs> it, it was a wake-up call that other fans are genuinely, like, sitting on the sidelines – paying close attention to Yankee games in case their latest signing flails around in his first appearance. Garrett Cole gave up a bunch of homers to the Tigers during 2021 spring training, if I recall. Maybe that was 2020 before the pandemic. I think it was because I think I was in the office uh, being upset by that. But, like, Garrett Cole gave up a lot of home runs to the Tigers in his first spring training with the Yankees. Carl Jordan was not good yesterday. But you know what? He legitimately was told not to throw as hard as he can. Because the Yankees went back. This came out today. The Yankees went back and watched – his last regular spring training, which was 2021, because there was a lockout last year. And at this point in the season, he was around 92. Uh, he was throwing 92 in spring 2021. The Yankees said, do not throw over 92 if you can avoid it during this outing. We just want to see it be normal. First batter of the game, infield single, second batter of the game, home run, of course. He went he threw 93 a couple of times in the first. Boone sat him down after that inning and told him, please stop trying to reach. Threw a 1-2-3 inning, didn't eclipse 92 in the second. Gave up a double to Ronald Acuna Jr. to start off the third. Rodon said he felt tempted. Quote, I wanted to reach back and throw harder, but I told myself to trust the process, I guess. But a younger me would have said, F that. I'm going to throw one as hard as I can right here. I'm glad I didn't do that. I'm glad you didn't either. And I kind of wish he hadn't gone out for the third at all. Because, again, all I really need is him walking onto the mound, revving up a little bit, walking off and saying, that was standard practice, and then going to the cage and throwing again in a side session. And it would have been nice – if we didn't have to answer for another uh, – if it was just two innings and not two-plus innings with a bunch of hits and runs allowed in the second and no outs recorded. That said, there was a plan here. Rodon wanted to buck the plan and didn't. Love an obedient uh, co-ace, and uh, I just want him to make it to opening day intact. I do not give a shit what the numbers look like, uh, what the VLO looks like, as long as he is following a pathway to a opening series start against his former team. The San Francisco Giants. That's all you need. Um, get get to March 30th, and we figure it out from there. Uh, but Blue Jays fans, just for that, I might get real toxic and start uh, retweeting uh, Dalton Varsho strikeouts or weak groundouts or something. Um, this was the guy who was who was indisputably going to have a great season. He's hitting 188 in spring training with a 485 OPS. So nice trade if we're going to play that game. Anyway. More importantly about Rodon, um, look, I know people were doing that to get under our skin. Mark Bowman tweeting that is that that's that's crazy. I, I just don't understand it. Aren't um, you like a guy? Aren't you like an adult with a job? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. That's why it's crazy because usually this is reserved for the you know the tweens on Twitter or uh, just you know the the personalities like Jared Carabas who their whole thing is being a troll and being an agitator. Um, being an objective beat writer and tweeting that is just weird behavior. Um, not also not funny. Like it wasn't just be funnier, I guess. If you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna drop a line about the performance and about the money involved and in, in the deal that resulted in this performance, even though it was his first appearance this spring, um, be a little bit more creative, I suppose. Uh, I don't care how he looks. You know that the ramp ups leading into spring um are considerable especially for people of rodon's caliber um he caliber is the wrong word just of his 
of his career track record. He's frequently injured. The last two seasons, back to back, he's thrown um, he's thrown a little over 300 innings. It's pretty much the same, a little bit more than he's thrown ever in back-to-back seasons since 2015-2016. He's in a new setting with brand new expectations. You know, this is way more heightened expectations than he's ever experienced at any point in his career. Um, the White Sox, obviously, there there were some there was some hype around them, you know, in years prior, and they 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 didn't get the job done. The Giants weren't really expected to do much last year. Um, so now you're in the New York spotlight, you're pitching behind Garrett Cole, you have a fresh $162 million deal. Um, the Yankees don't care about anything else other than ensuring that this guy can be available for what 28 starts, probably the number they want. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a guy who's going to get a phantom IL stint at some point, you know, that's happening this mm-hmm. year. Um, but career high 178 innings last year. Um, that's 13 off his career high. It's the most he's pitched since 2016. Um, if they were figuring out a way to ensure that he was not going to be overworked or overexerted by not having him throw that hard or not having him go all out until his arm strength was there or his stamina was there, um, that's how they have to approach it to, to, to make sure that he's ready to go when the season starts and when the games matter um, because they're going to need him for the entirety of this season. They're going to a thousand percent need him for the postseason. That's what he was acquired to do. Um, he was acquired to be the, the number two guy that we kind of been missing um, over these last few years. It's always changed, right? We thought we'd have a number two and then um, someone would get injured or um, someone would regress. And now we have a clearer picture, we have deeper rotation. You have, you have a clear format rotation for a seven game series. You have ways to, really have a dominant pitching staff for a five game series. You know, you get some of these guys in the bullpen, they're pitching multi-inning, you know, relief. This, this changes the entire calculus of, you know, what the Yankees are able to do in the games that matter the most. So laugh all you want, I guess, have your fun. There is that he faced a really good lineup. So I guess like it's not, if he was getting knocked around by, a bunch of backups or you know minor leaguers or third stringers or whatever like i guess that would have been funnier but he got dinged by austin riley and matt olson like two of the best hitters in the national league and baseball two of the best hitters at maybe their fucking positions right those are two of the best hitters are the top two top three hitters <laughs> in their positions um the braves are arguably the best team in the nl uh, so I guess if Rodon is not going at hundred percent and doesn't have fully have his arsenal ready to go, um, if there's one team to get your ass kicked by, it's the Atlanta Braves. Um, I don't know, but yeah, the goal here is to make sure he's good to go, make sure he's comfortable in his new setting. Um, I think he admitted he was nervous too, right? First Yankees performance. Um, he was one of the, he was one of the few out there who thrilled to come to the Yankees, uh, honors the, uh, you know, respects the tradition um loves what the organization stands for i don't know there are people like that all right cool um enjoy and have your fun and so he had these higher expectations probably heaped on some pressure on himself um because he knows how talked at length too about how um how unforgiving the fan base is you're 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 the worst if you're not performing well and you're going to hear it left and right or you're a god if you get the job done um and he knows the stakes and he probably had probably had some jitters going out there for the first time and knowing that people were going to be watching. It was a weekend game. People are going to be tweeting. 
stuff's going to be out there. Stuff's going to be circulating. People are going to be talking. Um, so yeah, I mean, first performance again, doesn't matter. Uh, have your fun, have your fun. Now we'll, we'll talk again in August. Have your fun now. <clears throat> Just don't let me see it. I don't want to see it. Uh, <laughs> additionally, uh, pitching injury wise, worth mentioning Tommy Canley's in the middle of a short shutdown. Uh, this is day yesterday was day three. This is day four. Supposed to be 10 days. He's supposed to make the opening day roster. Uh, one would hope. I don't that like said, that. If there's, if there's one area of the roster where the Yankees have overflowing talent, it's the bullpen. Matt Crook, who currently maybe doesn't have a roster spot, but probably should. Three innings, one hit. 4Ks from the left side yesterday uh, dominated yet again. Feel like if Canley's hurt to start the year, it's Albert Abreu and Matt Crook at the back end. But maybe if Canley's healthy, Crook can just slide in there and knock Albert Abreu off the 40-man roster. That might be cool, too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's another thing. I don't trust Aaron Moon. Tommy Canley's going to be ready for opening day, uh, despite having biceps tendonitis, even though he missed 2021 with Tommy John and missed 2022 for the most part with complications from Tommy John. And then now He's got more forearm stuff, but he's going to be ready in, in six days, Aaron. That, that's something I, I'm going to believe you on. All right, sure. Yeah. I don't I don't like this. Canely dealt with forearm, residual forearm elbow soreness after the Tommy John in both his rehab in 2021 and then in his comeback attempt for 2022 and only through 12 innings. I don't like it. I'm not going to. I'm not um, – I don't think that it's going to be something catastrophic, but I don't like the start of this. The The whole idea was that he was out of the woods with all this because he spent, you know, the last two years on the Dodgers' dime rehabbing, and then he came back towards the end of last year and was able to get consistent work in for the first time since 2019. Now we have bicep tendonitis, and bicep tendonitis, that – sometimes previously has been a precursor to Tommy John, right? In some yeah. in, in rarer instances, um, obviously the number one is the forearm pain and the elbow pain, but bicep tendonitis has creeped up as a potential, as a potential precursor. I'm not saying he's going to have to undergo it again, but I don't like how there's this many issues. This is now, this is now the third or fourth issue that he's dealt with post-surgery. Yeah. If you, have, if you okay. haven't had it, if you haven't had it, bicep tendonitis, yeah. you might get it. If you had it already, just probably means you're suffering from after effects. But again, several years of this. Very annoying. Yeah. Uh, that would that was a fun offseason acquisition. It's not the make or break, but it's a pretty fun one, and we have not seen him in action yet. Ron Marinaccio also not getting into games in spring. Keep your eyes on that. I have my eyes on it. Why for sure. Uh, who knows? He just hasn't pitched yet. Nobody knows. But he's ready. Yeah, me too. Oh, Nobody no, that's right. Remember? Because we were, we were laughing about it because they said he was still dealing with the shin issue and should be ready for opening day. Yeah. And we were like, what the fuck? This is still going on? Like, this happened in August. Yeah. So I guess he's still dealing with that, and they're just keeping it under wraps? He faced live hitters a couple weeks ago. Last thing I see is he vows to be ready for the Yankees two weeks ago, but he has <sighs> yet to pitch in a game. So uh, I vow that I am uh, not confident in that assessment. Also, before we go, just probably worth saying, the Boston Red Sox are undefeated in spring training. The, the Red Sox are undefeated in spring training. The, the Boston Red Sox have no losses in spring training, and that'll continue until the regular season. Uh, they're not going to lose a game in spring training. They will play an undefeated spring training. Probably going to parlay that into an undefeated April as well. 30-0 uh, is a challenge, but it's attainable for the 2023 Red Sox. They have the perfect blend of, of power, speed, uh, no pitching, don't have that. But the great offense, uh, they forgot to hire pitching, uh, but it doesn't matter. 
because they're undefeated in spring training. They're probably going to go undefeated during the first month of the regular season, too. And I can be talked into an undefeated May. So I don't know. I don't know if you agree, but I, I think we're looking at a minimum 65-0 and 0 start for the 2023 Boston Red Sox. And uh, spring training so far backing that up. World Series back on, man. I mean, the the buzz at, at JetBlue Park, you know, fans showing up for spring training, you know that there's just, there's something different in the air. when This when... is the only spring training in, in history, at least that I can remember, where the fans who are paying to attend it are excited to be there. That never happens. That That's just such a – that's a yeah. different thing. If you have a fan base that's just fully bought in and is like, yeah, I'll fly to Florida – I'll buy $13 tickets. I'll buy my kid ice cream and a helmet. That is the difference between fourth place and fifth place, in my humble opinion. <laughs> World Series back on. Uh, hey, I mean, Red Sox fans, you're confident in the World Series now all of a sudden after Bloom was was the worst GM since Dave Dombrowski, who, who won you a World Series. Use the use the $5 Yanks yard code on DraftKings for crying out loud. Get $150. Are, yeah, no, you don't, get to, you don't get to use our code. I don't want you to use our code. <laughs> <laughs> If the Red Sox have a good year this year, though, it's going to be an all-time crow-eating fiat. The, the people – it was a month ago people were saying that we're going to boycott this team. Bill Simmons just did a podcast last week where he was like, this is actually going to be like a weird one. Like the first time I don't even care, have any hope at all. And then whoever was – Michael Shore, uh, another Boston man, was on with him. He's like, yeah, you do have to reserve a little bit of that, though, in case they have this 2013 worst first. He's like – yeah, no, not really. You don't have to do anything. They're just you don't have to prepare. They're they're not good. They're, I think I think you're like you're gonna see it. Fans are like not gonna come. It's gonna be like this rare year where like fans like don't come. Uh, they're gonna come. They always go to Red Sox games. They're gonna go on a three game winning streak in the middle of May, and I'm gonna have to hear from hundreds of people about how this year is different. About how Jorge Alfaro is the straw that stirs the drink. That's what Boston does. That's what. Oh, hey, also spoiler alert. That's what happens during a 162-game baseball season. There's going to be a fucking week of everybody's season where they're 5-2, and two, and you're like, you know who's actually the key difference this year? The last guy on the roster. He's actually making a huge difference. Then that guy gets hurt, and somebody else gets hurt. You go 1-6 and six in a week, and you're like, who can we fire? Who can I fire? Um, that's what's going to happen in Boston. That's what's going to happen in Baltimore. It's going to happen in New York. Um, that, that's it. That's life. I'm just not uh, – the only thing I'm not looking for – I have no confidence in the Red Sox to do anything. I'm just not looking forward to when we win the first two series of the year. Red Sox fans, oh, well, you know, it should happen. You guys spent a shitload of money this offseason. You're better than us, of course. And then they win one in July, and then we go on, you know, a, a three-and-seven streak after that. Um, and then all of a sudden the Red Sox broke us, and they're responsible for the wheels yeah. coming off our season. And um, they're – they're changing the fortunes of the Yankees because this is what they do. And then that's what they're going to hang their entire hat on the season for. And that's where, that's where I will start getting in irrational arguments online um, and fighting with Red Sox fans who, um, you know, have like 16 followers or no profile picture. That's when you start to get into it. That's the stuff I can't handle, but I have no confidence in them um, to do anything momentous. Um, drunk. Drunk's back in the chat here. Let's hit him up before we go. <laughs> you think it's because we're a Yankee? You think it's because we're Yankees fans and not just good guys who happen to be pretty decent at their jobs, man? Come on, give us some credit. We can be podcasting about anything right now. I think you'd be tuning in. The code once again: Yanks go yard. <laughs>
Uh, that's no spaces. Yanks, go. Yards, the name of the website, the name of the podcast. Bet $5 on any sport. Get $150 in bonus bets. If your bet wins, again, I do want to rattle off all those necessities. Minimum $5 deposit wager required. New customers only 21 plus and present in New York. Gambling problem in New York. Call 8778 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369. In New Jersey, 1 800 Gambler. See full terms at draftkings.com or in the description below. And in Connecticut, 877-789-7777 the full terms again are at DraftKings.com or in the description below. Wow, there's no better time than the present. Put a futures bet. Drunk, if you believe the Yankees are going to win the World Series this year, if you believe in the pitching depth, and we do, and the kids, if you believe in the kids, and we do, if you believe in this lineup being different than last year, because it is, and we do, wouldn't be a bad time to put a bet on the New York Yankees to win the World Series, Aaron Judge to win MVP, and then you could get home run odds in there, home run futures. Um, maybe not the best bet because I think Vegas kind of believes in the Yankees as well. Uh, you know, that's why the Red Sox might be a better bet. Just if you're insane, Vegas currently licking their lips. The Red Sox again, six and oh, and three in spring training. That's six wins, no losses, three wow. ties. Wow. I guess that counts as undefeated these days. Uh, we're stretching that metric. Uh, tying three times, not a defeat by technicality. So if you're believing in the Red Sox undefeated spring, uh, again, with three ties, which don't happen in baseball. Then go ahead and drop a couple of bucks on them at DraftKings. Or if you want, if you believe in the Yankees so hard, uh, please don't place the jinx bet. That's very rude. You were just very nice about our podcast uh, and about the time you're having with the New York Yankees. Don't do that. Uh, bet on the Cubs. Aren't you a Cardinals fan? Don't jinx us. Jinx the Cubs. Uh, please join us for <laughs> throughout the year, though. And again on Thursday, twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern, live on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button. Get your bets in. Uh, and join us on all audio platforms as well. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, truly wherever you get your podcasts. I keep scouring the podcast platforms. I have yet to find one that doesn't carry the podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the angry betters find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Also head on over to the holy mecca, YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Um, we got a lot of spring training storylines um, coming up. Uh, we're talking about all the position battles. We're talking about all the prospect stuff. We're talking about everything that you're thinking about, pretty much. We're inside your head um, in the nicest way possible. We're getting in there. We're reading your comments. We're reading the stuff on social media. We're turning it into content, and we're bringing everybody to the site. So join the party. Until then, we'll talk to you again on Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Live, right here. We'll be back on Thursday. See you, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.